Hi, this is Jim Walden. I'm senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Temple City, California, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us. In these challenging days, if you're looking for hope and encouragement, you found a good place. We hope God's Word inspires you, speaks to your heart, and grows your faith. Enjoy the message. Good morning. So grateful you're here in this gorgeous Sunday morning. We're grateful if you've been able to join us online. We want to say welcome. I know folks from all over the country watch. I know that Mark has a friend in London, England, right, Mark, who watches too. Just greetings, everybody out there. I'm so glad you can be here. We want to go ahead and dismiss the kids to Kids Zone. They're going to rehearse for the Christmas music right now. So, kids, if you want to head out with Zach and Emily and the leaders, they're going to take you on and I hope you have a wonderful time. There are so many people to pray for. Let me just highlight a few. I mean, we could spend another half hour listing all the folks that we need to pray for. And the first one I want to bring up today is Sandy Trammell. She is doing better. She has been home from the hospital now for over a week. They still weren't sure what her complications were caused by. She's had hemoglobin count issues, very low sodium issues, struggles breathing, but she is taking baby steps, she said to me this week. And so I'm going to pray she takes adult steps in her healing process to heal more and more. She really appreciates your prayers. Bonnie Newby, are the newbies here this morning? Yep. So Bonnie's sister, Connie, is out in Indio, and they're looking maybe to hospitalize her. Family's coming in. Her health has really deteriorated. For, the, for about the last two years, she has helped her husband and now that he's recovered, the roles are reversed, and he's helping her. So we love you, and we're going to please pray for Connie. That's Bonnie's sister. Vanita Parker had another stroke, and she is at Arcadia Methodist. I spoke with her on the phone, I believe it was Friday night. She believes they're going to keep her there for quite some time. She's lost a lot of the feeling. I believe it is on her right side. Is that right? right left side? Okay, on her left side. So please keep praying for her. I hope to swing into the hospital this week and to see her. And Milbury continues to hang in there, bless her heart. She is quite the trooper. So Milbury and Christy, we're praying for you, Zach and Emily, the whole family. So would you pray with me right now? Let's just bow and offer ourselves up to the Lord again, okay? How good it is to know that you are in this place with us, whether we're watching online or we're in this sanctuary. God, you are so good. The way you keep chasing after us. I'm so grateful you don't give up on us. We might give up on you, but you don't give up on us, Father. Thank you for Jenny and her public declaration of wanting to be your follower. I ask you to bless her and Ariel, especially as they look towards moving towards marriage. You bless the family. And oh God, how our world still needs you. And thank you that you still care for this broken, sorry world. And Lord, we want to say, we spend a lot of time chasing different things in life when we can have the privilege to walk with you. And Lord, forgive me for how self-centered and egotistical I've been. My heart is so proud. And I just thank you for your mercy on me. 
that you would continue to mold me into the image of Jesus Christ. And that you be doing that with each person, every man, every woman, every girl, every boy. You'd be working your work in our lives. No matter how people come today, Father, I lift them up to your throne and ask that they would hear you speak. I don't know where everybody is, so to speak, spiritually before you today. Some, I believe, have walked with you for decades. Others may be wondering if you're real. But oh, Holy Spirit, how I ask that you would speak. Thank you for this church. I love this place. And ask that you would continue to bless it and impact lives through its ministry. It's why we're here, Father, because you love people. And thank you that no matter what sin we've committed, you stand ready to forgive and receive us here to walk with you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this powerful scripture, the book of Revelation, and as we recap it today, would you come and speak to us? Father, I can't do this without the Holy Spirit's power, but you can teach through me. Anoint me and open up our ears so we'd hear you today. And I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Amen. Okay, well... Uh, a year and a half ago, February, we started on a journey together, going through the book of Revelation. I want to invite you, if you want to grab your Bible and uh, grab your fill-in-the-blank outline, too, and uh, I got a copy of it here. Uh, today, it's front and back. It's a little more than usual because we're going to go through an entire book. And Jenny, I just want to say I love you again, sis. Oh, thank so you. much. And here is your baptism certificate. Oh, thank you. You are official. How's that? So... We love you, dear. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, give it for Jenny one more time. So you should see in your pew there some seat belts. Grab them and buckle up right now. We are doing the turbo tour. I, I never dreamt I would do this. It took me a year and a half to get through the book, and now I think in about 35 minutes I can recap it. But I just want your help, okay? So if you like something, say amen. amen. And if you don't, say hurry up. And, and we'll get through it. So we want to recap the book because so many people said to me, um, Jim, can you kind of give me a timeline? And on the back, you're going to see we'll go through a very simplistic, a way too simplistic timeline of this marvelous book. Now, at the beginning of the series, I wanted to remind you, too, that uh, there's two key verses, I believe, one in the Old Testament by the prophet Amos, one in the New Testament by John that talks about how we interpret this book. And in Amos, he wrote this, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to whom? His servants, the... You got it. And when we come to Revelation 10, John echoes it again in verse 7. In the last days, when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, say it with me, just as he announced to his servants... The prophet. So if you don't understand something in Scripture, what should you do? Look for wherever else you can find it in Scripture, and that will help you interpret it. Now, we introduced the Star Wars themes to the book of Revelation. You didn't know there were lightsabers in the Bible, did you? But you're all familiar with this character, right? C-3PO? And I used his initials to help us remember 
uh, what to latch on to and what to be careful of in interpreting the book. And the C, P, and O stand for this. First, we believe in convictions, right? There's just certain things we believe that we don't believe we should budge on, like Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords, born of a virgin, died on the cross to pay for our sins, rose from the dead, he's coming back someday, and that this is the word of God, right? That's, those are some of our convictions. Next, we'll find persuasions. What are we persuaded? Uh, you might call this leanings uh, when you interpret. And as we've gone through Revelation, I've shared with you what I believe are convictions, but some things are a little more challenging to understand, and they can be labeled as persuasions. Make sense? And the third category are we're going to have in interpretation some opinions. Some opinions. Where have most churches gotten into fights? Opinions and persuasions, right? And so I'm going to share with you not only what I believe are convictions, but you need to search the scriptures to see if it really is a conviction that we don't give any ground on. Then what is a persuasion and what's an opinion? A, a, a conviction is God loves California, right? A persuasion is God loves the Dodgers, an opinion is, you hope they'll win the World Series, right? Okay, so just loving on the Dodger fans out there today, right, Carol? All right, good, here we go. So we'll go through and I'll share some stuff. And I really hope you'll take this outline. And as you read through Revelation again, it, remember, this is not the Bible, okay? This is one man's convictions, persuasions, and opinions, but... We don't need to argue, especially about the last two. Fair enough? Uh, you'll see this in the back of your outline in the bottom, if you'll make note of it. Uh, I owe a large debt. Of deep gratitude and acknowledgement for the work done by my dear friend, Dr. Larry Edwards, who's been with Jesus a little over two years now. Uh, and he wrote his commentary called The Mystery Revealed. Buy a copy of it, friends. Zulon Press, check it out online. Uh, Larry is so much more astute at explaining these things. Uh, I've gleaned a, uh, more than I can tell you from his book. He's a dear friend, a spiritual father, and a, a much-missed mentor of mine. I would recommend highly you get a copy of his book. You'll also see in the outline that there are flash-forwards and flashbacks. A lot of different things. I won't be able to hit on all those again because it took a year and a half to go through all that. But I believe, uh, Victor, if I'm right, the, the series is uh, online on YouTube too. So you can go back, right, Kaylin? Okay, so you can go back and, and check these out. Here we go. Let's start with chapter one and get through 22 chapters real fast. Y'all ready? You excited? Good. All right. Revelation one. What's it about? Jesus is revealed. What's revelation mean? It means like a pulling back of a curtain. Uh, the word apocalypto, where we get the word apocalypse, most of the time in our culture, when you hear about something apocalyptic, what do you hear or see? Death and zombies and all kinds of... No, the word literally means to pull back a curtain or to reveal. That's what revelation is. And what is it? It's Jesus Christ is revealed, Revelation 1.1. The revelation of end times or scary things? No, it's the revelation of who? Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So when you read Revelation, look first and foremost for what Jesus is doing. Revelation 1 also revealed that servants 
suffer. Okay? Servants suffer. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in, remember we talked, this is the Oreo cookie of the kingdom. Remember this? What's the outside? The suffering? What's the great middle? The kingdom. And what's the other hard side? The patient endurance. I love the kingdom of God, don't you? I just don't like the suffering and the patient endurance that are ours. But it's like the Oreo cookie. It's all a package deal. And God's servants sometimes suffer. If you're suffering today, there's a reason. And God is at work in that. You come to Revelation 2 and 3. This is all I'm going to say because we took seven weeks on the seven different churches, starting with the church at Ephesus, ending with the church at Laodicea. You can read about those. And Jesus sent a letter to each of those churches. You come to chapter 4. We talked about the difference of moving from the iPhone to what? Thy throne. The iPhone was named after the I is for individual, right? The reason the iPhone was made was for the individual user. But we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the throne of God, right? Because great news, Jesus is still on the throne. Aren't you glad? And this whack, and I love this world, but this world is whacked, is it not? And it's getting more whacked. But Jesus is on the throne. And if you don't know that in your life, I want to challenge you to accept that by faith and put him on the throne of your life. Put him on the throne of your life. Then we come to Revelation 5. We saw the scroll that was like the title deed to the earth. And John wept and wept and wept because nobody was worthy to open it. But then Jesus was proven the one who could reveal or start the end times. And then we also notice the power of the prayers of the saints. Your prayers have power. Do you know that? The Bible says it goes up like incense before the throne of God, and the church needs to keep praying. Now, we need to pray because we're going to suffer. And I'm just going to give one more commercial for this. If you don't think the church goes through the great tribulation, and I know there's many pastors that don't, that's fine. I think that tends to be a persuasion and an opinion. To me, it, it leans a little more towards a conviction, but I don't disassociate with people that don't agree with me on that, okay? But if you don't think the church goes through suffering, go to YouTube and type in Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. How many of you have seen this documentary? It's powerful, isn't it? Friends, this, this is the movie documentary I think anybody that's curious about spiritual things ought to watch. It is I've watched it three times now because do you know where the fastest growing church in the world is? It's in Iran. And this documentary talks to leaders in the church of Iran and how the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is exploding and the church is growing almost 20% every year. Every year. Watch this documentary. Because if you were to talk to folks in the Middle East who follow Jesus, if you were to talk to some folks in some Asian countries and some African countries where Christianity is outlawed, and you were to tell them Christians aren't going to suffer, they would look at you and almost laugh and say, what world do you live in? And church, I think there's more suffering for Christians coming in America. And I think we got to be ready. Because you know what? There's something powerful about suffering because look what happened when Jesus suffered for us on the cross. What happened? People were drawn to his love. And when we suffer, 
God can use that to draw other people to Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 6. We see the beginning of the great tribulation. The seven years, and I'll talk about that in a moment. We talked about the deception that's going to come and the targets that are out there. A lot of people are chasing different targets. Remember me telling you the story of years ago at the Olympics that a sharpshooter was in target contention at the Olympics, and all he had to do was somehow hit anywhere on the target, and he was going to win the gold. Mark Emmons, I think, is his name. Remember the story? And he lined up a shot, pulled the trigger, hit the target, and everyone started applauding, thinking he won the gold, until the judges got together and came out and announced he was disqualified. He didn't even make the medal round because he shot at the wrong target. And I wonder how many churches are getting off track today by getting caught up in a lot of other things. Look, I know there's a lot of social issues that need to be dealt with. I know there's a lot of political issues. I know there's financial messes. I know there's all kind of stuff. But the church is given something that is the target. And the target the church needs to keep its eye on is the gospel. What's gospel mean? Good news that Jesus saw us in our sin. He was the perfect son of God who gave his life as a sacrifice to pay for your sin. And he proved that he beat sin when he got up from the grave, right? And he lives. This good news is what the church is mandated to share. And I'm afraid churches today are slowly drifting away from keeping their eye. Church, as I get ready to depart, and I was just weeping over here as we sang today, thinking about leaving here. I don't know why God is pulling us away now. I don't know why I got the heart issues I just know this, Jesus is on the throne and he's still going to use this church. Right, Doug? God, God was using this church before I ever knew where Temple City was and God's still going to use this church after I'm gone. Isn't that great? God is not done. He has not given up on us. Now, through chapter 6, we also came to this conclusion when it's very hard with flashbacks and flash forwards in the book is to try to understand what is most important. Is it understanding the sequence of events or being prepared? Which do you think is more important? Being prepared. We won't understand. These things are still a mystery. In chapter 10, 7, the Lord will reveal the mystery as he did the prophets. That'll come someday, and we will someday understand. The, uh, you know, O Lord, haste the day when my faith will turn to sight. The clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trumpet will sound, and the Lord shall descend, and then we're going to go, oh, it's all good. Okay. The most important thing is if we don't understand sequence, we just got to be prepared. So we saw four seals that revealed four what? Horses. And we saw the difference in a sequence. In Revelation, the sequence of the horses released were the white horse, the conqueror without a bow, the red horse, the black horse of, de uh, and, uh, of plague, and the pale horse. But in Zechariah, uh, the order is different. And I think the point here is we may not understand sequence. The most important thing is, are you ready? Are you prepared? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? You may say, I've sinned too much. There's no such thing as too much sin. Because Paul called himself the chief of sinners. In the Greek, it's the protos, where we get the prototype, the number one. And if God could forgive Paul, 
who helped murder Christians before he turned to Jesus, God can forgive you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God can forgive you. Now, some of you were giggling when you said that. I saw that. But he can. Then we come to chapter 7. We saw after the four seals, we see the fifth seal, and it reveals those who are sealed or kept in Jesus, the ones that are saved in heaven, and how they suffer. And my point is, you don't have to be a theologian to be a living sacrifice. Jesus wants you and me to be a living sacrifice. Isn't it great that God doesn't just want to kill us? He wants us to be a living sacrifice. Then we saw the sixth seal. That was a flash forward to the day of judgment. Okay? Then we came to Revelation 8. You all remember this sermon? I didn't say anything for 30 minutes. You remember that? We were in the gym. It's the quietest message Deanna said, I didn't make a single mistake. It was just great. Okay? There's silence in heaven for a half of an hour, and it's a prep time, getting people ready. Then we saw seven angels and seven what? Yeah, so the threefold is there's seven seals, then there's seven trumpets, and then there's seven bowls. Three times of seven that you can interpret a lot of ways. But the issue is, was this. Are you, we talked about this a week or two ago, Are you consecrated? That's the important thing. Consecrated means a life that just doesn't mentally believe there's a God. Consecrated is a life that says each day, Father, I want to give you my life. You live in and through me. I want to be a holy offering to you. I hope you understand that when you sing, that should be an offering to God. It should just be offering up your heart to him. I hope you know that when you give, those dollars should just be a representative of your life, the first fruits of who you are. Are you consecrated? Now let's review this real quickly. So the first four trumpets and trumpet six occurred during the great Middle East War. The Middle East War comes near the end of the seven years of tribulation. Trumpet five occurs roughly five months before the great Middle East War commences. So again, things are flashed forward flashback and again i'll just say it i think one of the reasons we don't have all the answers is so that even satan cannot thwart god's plans okay so it goes on to say and i said to you back then we'll soon be getting to the antichrist but it appears the antichrist will conquer kings to the north of israel and the south to come and fight in that great middle eastern war against israel and i think they're going to use even more weapons of mass destruction. I wonder if there's going to be thermonuclear war over there because a third of the earth's population gets wiped out. Okay? We'll see that. Revelation 9. It goes to the fifth and sixth trumpet, which is God's call to what? See, the reason God allows all this of Satan's ravaging the earth is to call people to repent. Repent means you're going your own way and all of a sudden God gets your attention and says, come back home. Come back to me. And you turn around and say, I want to walk with God. That's repentance. Listen, gang, there are too many people in this world that have just said, well, I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that's important. But the Bible says the way you do that is to repent. You want great assurance of your salvation? You keep turning from your sin. I'll show you someone who's not sure if they're saved, and most likely there's something in their life they're not willing to give up to Jesus Christ. And we repent daily. Again, Revelation 9. 
The Bible's talking about all these catastrophes. It says the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still, say it, church, did not what? Repent of the work of their hands. God is still giving people opportunity, in the, even in the tribulation, to repent. They did not stop worshiping demons, idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Say it again. Nor did they repent of their murders, magic arts, that's pharmakeia, it's the use of drugs, their sexual immorality, or the thefts. God allows these things to come on to try to call people to repentance because God's been awfully good, hasn't he? But there comes a time where he says, I'm going to let this happen. Let Satan have his reign so you see what it's like to follow him. Revelation 10. We came to a fascinating interlude that there's a special call and a special command to John. And that is, don't ask. Do you remember this? Take. God said to John, go to the angel and take the scroll and eat it. And John went to the angel, remember this, and said, may, may I have it? And the Lord doesn't say, no, when God promises you something, you don't ask for it, you take it. Uh, he said, take the scroll, eat it, and declare the word of God. The church needs to take the word of God, consume it, and with great grace declare it to this world. Okay? Revelation 11, we see the two witnesses. My persuasion is that it's Moses and Elijah. Why? Because we're told these witnesses can shut up the heavens and even call down fire from heaven, okay, which Moses and Elijah did in their lives, and the last trumpet. That's the end of the great tribulation. And I wonder if this is the seventh and final trumpet that Paul referred to in 1 Thessalonians 4 when he said, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. That's the seventh angel. By the way, the Jews have a great feast, the feast of blowing or of trumpets. Okay, and I wonder if that's the seventh trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first after that. We who are still alive, Paul says, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Chapter 12, we come to the ongoing attempt to attack Jesus, Israel, and his people. It talks about how the devil, uh, the dragon, spewed water from his mouth and, and to try to devour the woman when she gave birth to the Messiah. Uh, and then how God's people also during the tribulation, we'll talk about in a moment, will flee out of Jerusalem and be hidden in a wilderness somewhere for the last three and a half years. Satan's goal has always been to destroy God's work and his people. Okay? Revelation 13, we saw the two beasts and the mark of the beast. What's the mark of the beast? Six, 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 right? I was sharing with some folks last night. The sixth letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Va. We pronounce it with a V, but in English, we would make it look like a W. So Va, 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 www dot Yahoo could be translated, who's like God? Pretty interesting. So does that mean the Antichrist will use the World Wide Web? Possibly. Wouldn't shock me. But the two beasts that come up in that chapter are first the false prophet, and then he gives a voice to the Antichrist. In Revelation 14, we learn that we don't need to have any regrets when Jesus comes back. 
Do you have any regrets? The scripture says this. John also wrote this before Revelation. Dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be, what church? Confident and unashamed before him. At his, that's what I want to be. How about you? I want to be confident in Jesus and I want to be unashamed before him at his coming. Then we came to Revelation 15 and I went back to that fun movie, The Jewel of the Nile. Remember that? And these were, we talked about the ways of God. What's that about? It says in verse three, they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. What is that? Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. David wrote it this way in Psalm 103. He made his ways known to who? Moses, but his deeds to the people of Israel. So the people of Israel got to see what God could do, but Moses got to know his ways. Ways is that Hebrew word derek that means why God does what he does, how God thinks, how he processes. And my question for you is, do you just want to see God answer all your prayers or you want to get to know God? Paul said we've been given the mind of Christ. And I find a lot of people today in the church just want miracles and just want answered prayer. God wants to say, who wants to know my ways? And why did Moses get to see the ways when, and the way God thinks versus Israel just seeing God part the Red Sea and bring down manna from heaven and rescue them? Because Moses asked God to know his ways. What are you asking God today? What's in your life that you're struggling with? Are you just asking God to remove a problem? Or are you saying, God, help me in this to know you, to know how you think, maybe to understand what you're doing? Revelation 16, am I going too fast? Sure, but let's keep going. Revelation 16, this is where I believe we come to the seven bowls because the seven seals is God opening up Satan's privilege to bring about the seven years of tribulation. The seven trumpets are more description of what happens in the tribulation. But when the tribulation is done, that's when God unleashes his wrath. The last seven bowls are unique versus the seals and the trumpets because the seals and the trumpets is God declaring what Satan's going to do. The wrath of God is going to be revealed after the tribulation. And that's why I believe the church goes through the tribulation. Remember, Paul said we're not appointed to suffer wrath. That's the wrath of God. But we are going to suffer the wrath of Satan. Okay? So this is why my persuasion is uh, the seven bulls, the seven last revelations are the wrath of God. Then we go to a flashback of what's going to happen during the tribulation. We're going to see that the church is going to turn apostate. Apostate means to turn on that which you once believed. Okay? And we see the religion was the difference between being faithful or compromising. We've got to ask ourselves our question. Are we going to compromise or are we going to be faithful? Chapter 18 was different. It's the apostate economic system. That's the world. Chapter 17 was about religion and the church. Chapter 18 is about the corrupt economic system. Okay? The world that steals uh, and oppresses people and whatnot. Okay? Satan is in charge of that. Then we're nearing the end. Revelation 19, a three-part series we started over four weeks. What's it like in heaven, part one? And we saw what it's like in heaven. There's gratitude and praise. There's gratitude and praise. Is that in your life today? The psalmist said this, enter his gates with what? 
and then his courts next with, yeah, you start by giving thanks to his name and then you praise. So are we living in gratitude and praise? When you get up in the morning, do you say good morning, Lord, or good Lord morning? When something doesn't go your way, do you say, Lord, I might not like this, but I am going to thank you because you are still on your throne. And I'm going to praise your name because nothing else is worth it. Okay? Then we went to Revelation 20. We interrupted, interrupted the three aspects of what's it like in heaven. And we asked the question as we were revealed, heaven is shown to us. What if Revelation is all true? Because that's where we see the lake of fire. And that's a serious deal, wouldn't you say? That's a serious deal. Then we went to Revelation 21. What's it like in heaven part two? And we talked about us being a consecrated what? Bride. Next week, we're going to sing. It's the last song I'll get to sing with you. And it's called Arise, O Church, Arise. It's a Getty song. I just love it. I can't wait for that song next week. And the chorus goes, um, Rise, shine, for your light has come. Rise, shine for the risen sun. Lift your eyes. We are his radiant bride. Arise, O church, arise. I'm going to challenge you with that next week. Then we came last week to Revelation 22. What's it like in heaven? Part three. And the question is, there's a stream that flows through that city. What streams through your life? We talk a lot about streaming today and binge watching. What is streaming through you? Is it the word of God? I hope it's scripture. There's 22 chapters. How's that? But wait, there's more, okay? Now I want to share with you the way too simple timeline. How too simple is it? Say it. Way. Okay, now, so this is on your outline. And so here is a very simple-minded man trying to come up with a sweeping overview of the book of Revelation. Y'all ready? I hope this helps. There will be seven years of the great tribulation. It's the wrath of Satan. It's not the wrath of God. It's Satan as hordes of demons in those seven years. Three and a half years into the tribulation, the Antichrist will set up an image of himself declaring himself to be God in the temple. What's one of the, what's the first commandment? Say it with me. Have no other gods. What's the second one? No graven images. He's going to set up an image. The temple will be reconstructed somehow in Jerusalem. And three and a half years in the tribulation, this man who looks like he's a man of peace is going to come along. And the Jews are going to think he's American idol. He's, Israel has talent. They're going to think he's all that. They're going to follow him until he's going to set up an image of himself in the temple and declare to be God. Okay? The Jews are going to realize they were duped by him because the Jews today that don't know Jesus are still looking for a Messiah, right? They will flee somewhere into the wilderness. Some think it's over by Petra. I don't know. I've been to Petra, fascinating place to see. There's more caves there than you can shake a stick at. But they will flee. The last three and a half years are the worst with major death and destruction on the earth. And during the last three and a half years, the two witnesses, again, that I think are Moses and Elijah, will appear for three and a half years. They're going to testify, and they're even going to perform miracles, and nobody can do anything to them. At the end of the three and a half years, they're finally killed. 
Their bodies will lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. Remember we talked about it's going to be like a new Christmas because people will give each other gifts, it says. And after the three and a half days, they are resurrected and taken back into heaven. It's, I think, God's last witness to the world. And at the end of the seven years, there is a time of the great Middle East war. I think they're going to use weapons of mass destruction. So the last three and a half years are 1,260 days. Remember we talked about if you talk days, how did Jesus teach us to live? Say the Lord's Prayer with me if you know it. Give us this day our... We are to live with Jesus day by day. So remember in Scripture, it talks about days, it's talking about God's people. If it's talking about months, it's talking about the ungodly. 42 months is three and a half years. And if it talks about the seven years, it's talking about both groups combined. So I'm going to talk about God's people. The last three and a half years is 1,260 days. Okay? You all follow? Last three and a half years of the tribulation. Then there's going to be 30 more days after that. We don't know when this happens, but when this is done, that's going to be 1,290th day after the great tribulation. Somewhere in those 30 days in that month, I think the church is raptured out. It's after the great Middle East war, but it's before Christ returns because some days after the rapture, Jesus returns to earth and we reign with him for a thousand years. Is that cool? When people say, why won't God do anything about evil? Oh, he will. And he's gonna watch. The beast and false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire before Satan. Satan will be bound and put in the abyss for those thousand years. So nobody can say in those thousand years, the devil made me do it. No one's going to be able to say, well, it's just evil in the world. No, in that thousand years, Christ is going to reign and bring peace to the earth. But you know what's unbelievable about it? Some people still won't be satisfied. And at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released from the abyss, and he goes out to deceive and recruit the nations of the world to turn on Jesus Christ. That's what? The battle of Armageddon. But Jesus will completely dominate. He'll win. And he'll throw Satan into the lake of fire. Aren't you glad? We will finally be done with him. And those who rebelled against the Lord are all resurrected from all the ages. They're judged before the great white throne judgment. And they're thrown into the lake of fire. Those who surrendered and followed Jesus are presented in the new heaven and the new earth, and they reign with Jesus forever. No more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more taxes, no more final exams. I said to our lovely teacher, by the way, he's just so excited today, he had surgery in his eye, and he can see better than he ever has. Isn't that wonderful? No more bad eyesight, no more diabetes, no more cancer, no more leukemia, None of that. We will reign with him forever and forever. Yes. I'm going to have hair. That's right. You are so right. I love that Jenny mentioned that. See what happens when you baptize people? They just say anything. I preached on Revelation back in Kansas City. And I used to joke, you know, to one of the churches that says, whoever overcomes, they'll have a new name written on a white stone given to them. Name always means character and nature. And I think the new name we get in heaven 
I think we're going to sit back and go, that name represents, God, what you were attempting to do in my life to make me more like Jesus. And I joked, I hope my new name is Harry. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not making it up. After that sermon, remember Deanna? A little kid walked up to me in the lobby afterwards, tears streaming down his face. Pastor Jim, do you really think in heaven you'll have hair? I said, I think so. Why? He goes, I won't recognize you. (laughs) True, man. True. I know. I know we'll know each other. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, now I know in part, then I shall know even as I'm fully known. Remember, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter knew who Moses and Elijah were instantly. Right? We'll know. It's going to be wonderful. Now, how do I want to wrap it all up? Here's how I want to wrap it up. Through this whole series, I've not been trying to take you to God's school. Some people think, well, 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 I go to church because the preacher needs to teach me about God. Okay, Ultimately, you don't need to be taught about God in that sense of the word. And let me explain myself. I'm not taking you to God's school because no one ever took me to wife's school. Now, what do we mean about that? I will never, ever forget the day I was first introduced to my wife. Many of you know that I had a wife that left me, and I was so lost and broken, I thought my ministry was done, I thought the church we started was done. And a buddy of mine said, Walden, there's someone you need to meet. She is my number one youth worker, and she's never married. And someday I'll introduce you to her. So he invited me to go with his youth group on a ski trip to Wyoming. So one Saturday before we left, all the kids had to show up in the church. We're downstairs in the church, and the kids are turning in their permission slips, their insurance forms, their final deposits. And I'm down in this room, and I see this tall, gorgeous brunette in a red turtleneck. I wanted to say to her, I wanted to say to her, are you a parking ticket? Because you got fine written all over you. Tiana's back there like, oh, God. Aren't you glad you're getting a new pastor, right? And I looked at her, and I, I went down her arm, and I saw no ring on her finger. And I went, I got to get to know her. And now for more than 28 years, I've been getting to know that woman. And you know what? You, you, nobody had to teach me how to talk about Diana. Nobody ever has to say, oh, you're married. And I go, well, I love that woman. And the more I get to know her, guess what I do? I talk about her what? Ad nauseum. Two and a half years ago, I bought a used Toyota RAV4. I love this little truck. Even though it's almost 10 years old, it's got leather seats, sunroof, TVD player, heated seats. And Toyota, when I bought it, Toyota did not take me into a back room and say, now, Jim, we need to take you to Toyota class so you help us sell Toyotas. No, I started to drive that car, and I was so impressed with it that now I wonder why everybody doesn't drive a Toyota RAV4. 
Some people come to church and they're like, well, teach me about Jesus so I learn to love him. You know what, gang? I can't do that. All I can do is introduce you to him. And you've got to take a step of faith like what Jenny did this week and say, I want to learn to know you and love with you. Jenny, you're going to fall in love with Jesus more and more. And the more you walk with him, you're going to weep and rejoice and smile and ponder and know him. And he's going to get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Gang, I hope Revelation isn't supposedly you try to go to God's school. I hope Revelation is he is so revealed in his power and authority of everything that you say, I've got to get to know him. Because Jesus doesn't want you just to know him. He wants you to walk with him. And the more you walk with Jesus, you ever met somebody that you know they walk with Jesus and you just go, oh, I wish I was like them. That was my mom and dad. My mom and dad weren't perfect. My mom and dad weren't sinless. They messed up and whatever. But my mom and dad, through thick and thin, I knew one thing. They, they walked with Jesus. And I really came to place my faith in Jesus because I thought, I want what they have. They had a joy, a peace, a confidence, a love for God and for people. So I thought, that's what I want. And they just said, Jim, we can't take you to school. You got to walk with him. It's the same thing about a math teacher trying to teach you how to do math equations versus you knowing how to work with numbers. It's day and night. So what's our conclusion? Here's how I want to wrap it up. There are basically three types of people in the scriptures. And the book of Proverbs speaks about them clearly. You ready? Read Proverbs. You're going to see all three. Number one, there's the wise. Who are wise folks? They are folks when corrected. Notice notice the wise, they aren't perfect. Y'all see that? When corrected. The the wise aren't arrogant. The wise aren't self-righteous or know-it-all. They're just people who, when they mess up and they're corrected, they learn to respond with humility, grace, and obedience. That's a wise person. A wise person is not somebody with lots of knowledge. How many of you have known people that are way smarter than you, but boy, are they stupid? How many are sitting next to them? Right? No, don't do that. <laughs> That's the wise. Num- and they're shown in Proverbs 9. Rebuke a wise man and he'll what? Love you. Thank you, Jesus, for correcting me. Thank you for loving me enough to keep me from going over that precipice or going down that road. Because the first part of the verse is this. Don't rebuke a mocker. He'll hate you. How do you respond to teaching and correcting? Proverbs 15 says, He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among what? The wise. The fools reject that. The second are the fools. There's the wise and the foolish. What are they characterized by? They blame and attack. Hey, question for you. You see any fools these days? Blaming? Attacking? You know why I think most of our media is foolish? Because this is all they're spending the time doing. Blaming and attacking. 
they mock and scoff. The fool mocks and scoffs at correction. The wise man or woman takes correction and rebuke and loves it. As it's painful, but I need it. But the fool mocks and scoffs at correction, living in rebellion. Proverbs 29. Mockers, think about this one. What do they do? Uh-huh. Living in rebellion. Proverbs 29, next verse. If a wise man goes to court with a fool, what's the fool do? Rage, scoffs, and there's what? Is that your life today? Is that your home today? Is that some churches today? Some cities? Some states? Some nations? And the third group is this. They're just flat out evil. They're just flat out evil. And you know what they do? They're one step, they're a fool that steps into evil and they just what? They just destroy stuff. Look at this. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. And they eat, here's their diet, the bread of wickedness, and they drink and love what? Violence. Do we see that in our world today? Yeah, we do. And the Bible uses this analogy that we saw back in Matthew chapter 25. The wiser sheep and the fool and the evil are compared to goats. Let's wrap it up with this. All the nations, Jesus said, will be gathered before him. And at the end times, he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's going to put the sheep on his right, and he's going to put the fools and the evil on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Because I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes? When do we clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you, Lord? And Jesus will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did what? So much God loves people. And he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. See, hell wasn't prepared for people. Prepared for Satan and his angels. He says, I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. Thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. Stranger, didn't invite me in. Needed clothes, you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. And they're gonna say, Lord, isn't that an interesting phrase? They'll still call him Lord, but they never walked with him. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and we didn't help you? And he'll reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous 
to eternal life. Hey, which are you? In church, let me say this. Which are we? You know what Temple City needs? It needs a family of sheep that love God. It needs people seeking Jesus and wanting to walk with him. Would you stand with me for closing prayer? Lord, I know that is a boatload of review and information. But I simply ask that as we lift up Jesus, as you call me to lift up Jesus, folks will be drawn to him. Friend, my guess is most people watching online have tuned in because they want to understand something about God and you're here because you want to understand something. But I I can't take you to God's school because he doesn't want to give you an education. He wants to give you a relationship, an eternal relationship of eternal life. Like Jenny, have you ever humbled yourself and received him? You say, how do I do that? A, B, C, A, admit you're a sinner. Right now where you are, you can say, okay, Jesus, boy, I want to know you. I will admit I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from you. B, believe that he died on the cross and rose to show you he conquered your sin. And you can say, Jesus, I'm going to believe by faith who you are. A, admit. B, believe. C, confess. You confess him as Lord. You say, Jesus, I want to make you my Lord. I want to walk with you. I want to walk under you. I want you to rebuke me if you need to. I want you to love me. Show yourself to me, and he will. You can do that right now, friend. Even online, you can do that as you're watching at this very moment, whatever moment it might be. And Father, I ask that this flock of people, your sheep at First Baptist Church, would keep laser-focused on the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ for a world that's suffering and dying. Oh, God, fill this place multiple times over and bless this church as it honors you. And I look forward to what you're going to do. Thank you for forgiving anyone who comes to you and coming into their life. And Jesus, help us together walk together to know you. We love you, Lord. Jesus, we as a church want to ask, would you bring more people to know you? Right, church? God, bring our oikos, bring our friends, bring our world to know you, and we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, we all say? I got one more Sunday with you. And God, this past week, I think, gave me a message with three exciting characters in the Bible I want you to see next week. Will you come and invite somebody in your world to come with you? Because I've got a challenge for you as a church out of these three people in the Bible. You want to know who they are? You got to come back next week. (laughs) Get ready. We're going to have a great week. Thanks for loving Deanna and I. All the glory goes to Jesus Christ in my life if there's anything good in me. The next person that should get the credit is my wife who I'm still crazy about. And then I love you. And I ask God that as you walk with him, you don't just learn about him, as you walk with him,
the Lord will bless you and keep you. And may the Lord cause his face, that beautiful face you're going to see, to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you. And as you walk with him and he lifts up his countenance, may almighty God shower you with his peace. God bless you, church. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed our podcast, you can subscribe and share with your friends. To support our ministry, go and click the link in the description to give online. To connect with us, to know more about who we are, or if you have a prayer request, go to our website at templecitybaptist.org. We would love to hear from you. May God bless you. See you next week.